So um, we're starting a new series, um, having a little fun with it. It's, uh, it's called Bear Fruit. Um, that's cool. And it comes from John 15, 16, where Jesus literally says, go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And uh, so this series is really kind of around the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and it's significant because I don't know about you, but when I, when I read the list in Galatians of the fruit of the Spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, when I read through those, I can begin to look and view the fruit of the Spirit kind of like a personality test. Like, okay, like I'm, so I look at those nine, like I'm kind of good. I think I have the kindness one, at least I try, but the patience one, no bueno, no bueno. Like I'm not, I don't got that one, but I got, I got kindness, but, but the, I don't know, I kind of struggle with this. Or like, you're like, I feel like I have the peace one. Like, I feel like I'm pretty peaceful, like I'm pretty even, but, but I just lack in the self-control area, especially around ice cream and and a chocolate chip cookies. Can I get an amen? Like, you know, you're in this place where you're like, I'm, I, I, but you know what? I got peace. I got peace. I don't have the self-control, but like I'm working on that. Or maybe not. I don't know. Like, but I'm just going to focus on the things that I do have and not focus on the things that I don't. Like, but what we're going to drill down into over this series is that God does not see the fruit of the Spirit like fruit salad. You know how you are when you get into a fruit salad. You're like, ooh, I like these grapes, but not so much the honeydew melon. Like, that's weird and kind of has an aftertaste of dirty feet. And then I like strawberries. No offense. I know some of you are like, I love honeydew melon. Yeah, I get it. You're weird. And so like, and then there's people that go for the strawberries, but I kind of avoid the apple slices because they're kind of like filler. You know what I mean? They're not, nobody goes for the apple slices. So you kind of like, you kind of pick and choose as you look at a fruit salad. Like, what do I want? What do I not want? But the fruit of the Spirit is really a picture. It's a picture of what you should expect when the Holy Spirit begins to work in you and through you. And the fruit of the Spirit is not a personality test, and it's not a list of things that are really nice that you should probably be or probably work on. But the fruit of the Spirit is the logical result of the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, a follower of Jesus. And so as an introductory message, before we start drilling down into like love, joy, peace, patience, all, all of these fruit of the Spirit, I want us to wrestle with a question this morning. I'm going to peel it kind of back here. And the question is this, is there a difference between being a Christian and being a disciple of Jesus? Is there a difference between being a Christian and being a disciple? And what I'm, I'll just be honest with you. What I'm poking at here is this um, perceived dichotomy in American Christianity, where on one hand you have a label that we say Christian, which can be put on anything, really, it seems, like gum, like people, music, movies, companies, clothing, churches. Um, and, and I'll be honest, especially in this day and age, um, it can mean whatever you want it to mean, um, that word, Christian. Um, and then there's this like leveling up of like discipleship. We're called to, to, to be a disciple. These are, these are the, the paid ones, the professional 
ones, the, the prayer warriors, the, the, the Bible reading, the serious, the devout Christians. And so what, maybe a more relevant question is this. Is discipleship only for super Christians? Like, is, is there such a thing as like an app where you have Christianity light and then there's the full paid version? I'm, I'm just gonna, I mean, let's just be real. Like, this is kind of the stuff that we, we I'm just saying things that we kind of operate within, like ideologies that we just assume. But is, is there a difference? Like, does, does Jesus see a difference? And so we're going to be reading in Mark chapter 11 today. So if you've got your Bible, open up to Mark chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, or if you don't have the version that I preach out of, the NIV, um, we've got some Bibles literally right by the sound booth. There's a little stand right back there. We have a bunch of Bibles. We have some people from our church that have just donated to say, like, we want to get the Word of God into the hands of, of God's people. And so if you don't have a Bible, you don't have the NIV, there's one for you. I, I encourage you, take it. They're really nice. You can write in it, mark it up. You can highlight it. I know you're like, oh! You, it's yours. Do what you want with it. Um, make it your own. Encounter God. Get into it. All of those things. Take it, ho- take it home with you. It's yours. No, no questions asked. Um, but as you get into to Mark chapter 11 today, why don't you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. So Mark chapter 11, um, I'm going to warn you, this is, a, this is a shocking passage. We're going to read verses 12 through 25. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat from you again, and his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him. Because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. And in the morning, they, as they went along, they saw that fig tree. It withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, that fig tree that you cursed is withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Lord Jesus, I, uh, I pray that as we get into this word today, this... Uh, experience that these disciples had of witnessing you and what seems to be an un-Jesus-like posture, I pray that you would reveal yourself, your heart, more to us. Help us to be molded to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. You be seated. So, so the, the title of the message today is Nothing But Leaves. Nothing but leaves. Now, if I'm honest, Jesus it does not seem to be all that Jesus-y in this portion of Scripture. Can we agree on that? It just seems like, what is going on, dude? Like, and when I say Jesus-y, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you, like the Jesus that we like to portray in art and in movies, the, the white 
European, long-haired, blue-eyed, hippie in a bathrobe, like saying profound things in a wispy voice, like that Jesus, this is not him. Um, this is like hangry Jesus. Like he needs a Snickers Jesus, right? Like this is, this is like what in the world? Like who is this Jesus? Because he doesn't seem like the Jesus that, that I kind of like know and love and, and, and think about when I think about him. And it can be unsettling when Jesus breaks character on us. Like when he does things and says things that we don't want him to do or say, it is unsettling when Jesus goes off script. I mean, I've even heard like environmentalists have a hard time with this, with this portion of scripture, with Jesus's indiscriminate cursing and killing of a poor, innocent fig tree. <laughs> As if the paper that they're writing their complaint note on didn't come to the same demise in a much more callous way, right? But this, this reality, it's like, I just don't understand. Like this, who is this guy? Not only does he just like curse this fig tree, he, he enters the temple and we read about it. Like he, he seems to freak out. Yet once again, he, he starts flipping tables. He's literally chasing people out of church. Like that's not very Jesus-like at all. So what in the world is going on? Like who is this Jesus? One of the, one of the major rules of reading and interpreting scripture is, is a, a rule that's called the rule of unity. What it means is that, um, that we must interpret a scripture based upon the entirety of scripture. And an interpretation of a scripture must be consistent with the rest of scripture. And so the rule of unity is so important because it keeps us out of heresy. It keeps us out of cultish beliefs. Um, we don't just take a verse out of the Bible, like, a verse or a section or a couple verses or a portion of verses and then create a theology that is inconsistent with the entirety of the Bible. That's called heresy. And so, so what's going on here? Like, what, what, This doesn't seem like it fits, so why does Jesus choose to curse a random fig tree? And I would suggest to you that it was not a random act at all. I think he wasn't hangry. I mean, this is the same guy who fasted for 40 days in a desert, and we never saw him hangry there. And so it just says he was hungry. So I don't think he was just like his blood sugar was low that day, and so he just kind of was a little on edge. That would be me. That would be you. But this act, uh, if we brush it aside as a hangry act, we're going to miss an incredibly purposeful and prophetic act that Jesus was making. So let me pause for a moment and give you a little understanding of, of if you were in this day and age, in this historical context, how you would have understood this act that Jesus was making. Um, the fig tree is the third tree mentioned in the Bible. The first one is the tree of life, Genesis. The second tree that's mentioned is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's the one, no, don't eat from that tree, right? And the third tree is the fig tree. It's the, the leaves of the fig tree were the leaves that Adam and Eve used to what? 
cover and hide themselves when they realized, oh my gosh, you're naked and I am too, right? Like all of a sudden when they ate from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they take fig leaves, and you can read it for yourself, and, um, and use those leaves to sew together clothing to hide themselves. Um, after this and throughout the Old Testament, we find that the fig tree is referenced as a symbol of the Jewish nation. Time and time again, uh, the, the fig tree is meant as, as a symbol of uh, the status of God's people before him. Uh, so it was a very symbolic tree. And Jesus was using this fig tree as a prophetic illustration, a behind-the-scenes look of what he was about to do in cleansing the temple, a behind-the-scenes look of how he viewed God's people and where they were at and what they were doing. And, and what is his point? What's his point? In your notes, it says this. Do not confuse the abundance of leaves with the presence of fruit. You could chew on that for a day. Do not confuse the abundance of leaves with the presence of fruit. What do I mean by that? Let me get down into like kind of other, other illustrations of that. So if you're like leaves and fruit, what are you talking about? Do not confuse going to church with knowing God. Don't confuse a person's gift with the maturity of their character. Those are two different things. Don't confuse dead religion with a spirit-filled life. Don't confuse um, labeling yourself a Christian with walking in obedience to Jesus. Don't confuse a leafy life with bearing fruit. Because just like Adam and Eve, covering ourselves with leaves was never the goal. We were always created to bear fruit. So what I want to talk to you about today is this. What does it look like to live a leafy life? What does that look like to lean into religion apart from the fruit of the Spirit. The first one is this. It only looks healthy from a distance. It only looks healthy from a distance. Let me, let me show you what I'm, what I'm referencing here in Mark chapter 11, verse 13. It says this. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he, Jesus, went to find out if it had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found what? Nothing but leaves. So from a distance, the, the tree had the appearance of health. You look at it from afar and you're like, oh man, that looks like a perfectly healthy fig tree. Let's go see if it actually has any fruit on it. And once Jesus gets up close, he finds nothing but leaves. And we know this to be true in our own life, right? This is kind of like, this is not news to us. This is not like a new idea because... The reality is, is like even here today, you can fool people and appear to be healthy as long as you keep them at arm's length. Like a big smile and a very busy life can, can convince people that you're doing really well. How are you doing? Busy, busy, busy. Everything's awesome. And people will look at you and they'll be like, man, I wish I was like as busy as them. They seem happy about it too, right? Like, you know, you, we, we, we fall into this thing where we think like, well, if I could just keep people from a distance, I can appear 
really healthy as long as I don't let anyone in too close to me. It's kind of like Instagram. When we're scrolling through picture after picture of our closest acquaintances and they're perfectly filtered family fun and you think, man, I stink at life. I don't go anywhere cool like they go. I don't have a life like they have. I don't even look anywhere close to what they look like. Can I let you in on a secret? Neither do they. Neither do they. Let me, let me, let me give you an example. All right, um, go ahead and show. This is my profile picture. Just throw that up there. Look at that. He's a pretty good looking guy. I'm not going to lie. I mean... He's not the best looking guy you've seen, but he's a guy you'd want to go up and maybe invite to coffee, right? Like he's a, he's a, he's a nice looking guy. He looks really kind. His teeth are white. Like he's wearing good clothing. He looks very like at ease. Like he's a guy you'd want to be friends with. Let me just tell you, you get up close to me, there is going to be nothing but disappointment. You're going to be like, you... That's not, that's actually, wow, wow. There's a lot of filters going on there, isn't there? Like you don't even, you don't even look the same, like the same person. And we're left with, with disappointment. All right, you can take it down. So <laughs> they're going to they're gonna become disillusioned. Um, see, here's the point. Religion, um, a leafy life, has the... Uh, this way of giving a really false sense of success. Everything's good, but it's all a bunch of leaves. It's all a cover-up. It's all a way of making it kind of look like everything's put together. But once you get close, you realize, wait a minute, like it appeared healthy from afar, but up close, it's lacking fruit. Our connection with the Holy Spirit is the only thing that causes us to bear fruit. And I mean this in love, but the best you can produce is a whole lot of leaves. When we're connected to the source, that is where the fruit comes from. Because Here's the problem. If you look around it at uh, trees right now, literally, it's perfect timing. If you look around at all the trees that are, that are uh, around your house right now, here's the truth. Autumn always comes. Leaves will fall. The truth always comes out. And that which we conceal is always revealed. Like a leafy life only looks healthy from a distance until autumn comes and the nice things that you had sewn together all of a sudden now shrivel up and reveal it. And, and so we have a choice. And it's a choice that we have every single day, but it's a choice that we have regarding, regarding the Lord is this. Do I choose to repent and abide and allow God to, to bear fruit in me, to change me from the inside out, to, 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 that the fruit of the Spirit would be a logical, rational explanation 
of what it is that God's doing on the inside of me, or, or do I just try to cover up and live a leafy life? Create a whole bunch of things to kind of like keep the smile big and the busyness going, convincing myself that concealing is dealing. Do not confuse concealing your sin with dealing with your sin. And he can, you read the rest of verse 13. It's interesting. It says, you know, Jesus sees the fig tree and leaf. He goes out to see if he had any fruit on it. When he finds it, he found nothing but leaves. And then it ends with this last weird part. It, I don't know if you caught this. For it was not the season for figs. Like, so hold, hold, hold up a second here. Like, it wasn't even the season for figs? Is Jesus just confused? Is he a madman? Is he just against like trees? Like what? Why in the world? This was not even the season for figs and he doesn't find any figs on it so he just goes and he kills this thing? Like why would he kill an innocent tree that, for not producing fruit when it isn't even in the season for fruit? That just seems mean at best. So let me explain how this works because I don't expect you to understand how fig trees work. I've never really seen one here in, in America. Um, in this area, though, in this time, figs could be produced or would grow upwards of like 10 out of the 12 months of the year. Um, and and the, way that, the, the way that it works is that the first thing that begins to grow is um, a, a small green fig. Um, it's about the size of an almond, and it is not sweet. They call it poor man's fruit. Um, it's you know, kind of bitter and sour. And then, and then after that thing begins to grow, then the leaves begin to grow after that. What's interesting is that the presence of leaves actually means that there should be fruit. Like the leaves don't come and then the fruit, the fruit comes and then the leaves. So the, the presence of leaves gives the, the obvious like assumption that there will be fruit on this tree because there are leaves on this tree. And so I just need you to understand like Jesus is not cursing this tree because it is not in the right season. He curses the tree because there is nothing but leaves on it. What does that mean for you and I? It means this like God does not expect you to be harvesting in a season that you're not in but he does expect you to be growing fruit in whatever season you're in. You should be growing the fruit of the Spirit in your life, not just leaves. And so something's wrong with this tree. Like there's no fruit on it, there's nothing but leaves. Obviously something's wrong. And what we see next is that the problem is not the leaves and it's, it's not the lack of fruit and all of that. The, the problem is this, where there is no fruit, then the problem is with the root. You don't just start plucking off the leaves, that, like that's gonna fix it. The problem is not the leaves, the problem is the root. So where the problem appeared, well, we don't have any fruit going on this tree, is not where it began. Let me show you what I'm talking about, verse 20. It says, in the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered. Where? At its roots. And Peter, Peter remembers, and he's like, hey, Rabbi, look, look, the fig tree that you cursed is, has withered. See, see, I honestly don't think that the disciples were all startled 
that the, that the tree was dying. I think they were startled at the speed at which it died because it was already dying since it had not bear, borne any fruit on it. It was already in the process. It just sped it up. So I actually would argue that, that Jesus did less to actually kill the tree as he did speed up what was already happening in this tree. And the Bible says that it withered at its roots, from the roots, because its problem was not with the fruit or the leaves or all of those things. Its problem was in the root. It was not properly connected to its source of life. And if I, if I want to say anything that you can take home today, it's this. If you're struggling, where you're like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, I, I'm struggling in all of these areas. This isn't a list for you to do better, getting a better personality or trying harder to get patience or asking God for this or for that or, man, I really would like to work on this. That you need to just get connected to the roots so that God can begin to, to pour his life into you so that it begins to change you from the inside out. The problem is not, oh, you got to get rid of all these leaves, you got to pluck them all off, all your religion, all these things. No, no, no. The, the problem is this. We just have to get reconnected, get better connected to the root. The second thing is this, that a leafy life does not produce the fruit of the Spirit. A leafy life does not produce the fruit of the Spirit. We said this with a with thing. Leaves don't produce the fruit, the fruit and then the leaves. Here's the thing. This is, this is kind of interesting, and I'm going to poke at you guys a little bit because you, you're cool. Um, like, you can handle it. As Christians, if we're not careful, um, we quickly become bilingual. Now, I'm not talking about Spanish and English. Some of you guys are still struggling with English. I get it. Like, but the language that we quickly learn when we become churchified is this word, it's a language called Christianese. It's full of all kinds of big words, um, and, and sometimes they have sayings and things that we say. We say things like, bless God, and hallelujah, and amen, or amen, depending on your, I don't know. Um, we, say, we pray for things like traveling mercies and hedges of protection, and we have the corner market on words like anointing and fellowship. Like, those are ours. Like, you don't take those from us. Like, the, we have these kind of words that are Christianese. All these have, have great, like, scriptural reference, they have, they have impact, they have all of these meanings that kind of go along with them, but sometimes we have no stinking clue what we're talking about. We're just really, truly, like, I'm like, yeah, hedges of protection. I got to plant hedges around this as protect. Like, we, we, we don't necessarily understand, and we can quite honestly keep this whole fruit of the Spirit thing in the Christianese realm of, like, really deep and yet completely immeasurable and so we're like, well, I'm just waiting for some good fruit. I just don't see the good fruit in it. Or that I, just, I just sense there's bad fruit or there's no fruit. They're fruit salad. They're very fruity fruit. Like, I, I have no idea. Like, we get into this place, but we don't necessarily know what is it. So what does it look like to have good fruit? The fruit that will last, that Jesus is referring to, that, that Paul talks about. What does it look like? It looks like this. Change. God begins to change you, change your mind, the way you think about things, the way you view people, your priorities in life. 
some of the things that you would never think that you would be doing, you are doing now. Why? Because of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, because the Holy Spirit changes you from the inside out. So what does good fruit look like? It looks like change. It doesn't look like sin management. It doesn't look like a leafy life and hiding and and checking off boxes or acting or smiling big or being really busy. It looks like change. Not change that is all like superficial and, and, and you trying harder to achieve something. It's just a connection from the heart. And it just... It just happens. I've never seen a tree really bear down <laughs> to produce fruit. When you see fruit on a tree, it's not because the tree was like, <laughs> right? Never heard a tree grunt? Never heard a tree like work at it? There's no trees out there. Did you hear my tree out there? I think they just gave birth to some fruit. Did you hear it was moaning last night? No, nobody thought that. Nobody looks at a tree and man, like, man, you've been working hard. Wow, that's awesome. No, it just happens automatically. Why? Because if it's connected correctly to the root, the fruit just boop, happens. It doesn't work at it. And sometimes I think that we get this place where we think like, oh, I got to produce this. I mean, I, I just really stink at this. I need more of this and I don't have enough of that. And, like, and God's just like, would you just, would you just, would you just abide? Would you just, would you just connect? Would you just stop, stop? Just be. And it happens. Galatians chapter 5. This is where the fruit of the Spirit is. Because this is the logical progression. We know what happens with the flesh. And and this is in, in no mincing of words. I love how Paul says it. He says in Galatians 5 verse 19, he says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And that was just last week. <laughs> like, these, 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 the, the acts of the flesh are like, duh. Like, we kind of know where all those things lead. We know where that, where that goes. And he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, living life in the Spirit, staying connected to the root, not trying to do your own thing, but choosing to just, I am going to stay connected here. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. Not like a big smile, but joy. Peace, even in the midst of all the crap going on in the world. Forbearance or patience. Kindness, even when people don't deserve it. Goodness, faithfulness, when all you want to do is run away. Gentleness and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Paul is simply outlining the change that you should expect as you are connected to the root of Jesus. When you're healthy, when you're an abiding follower of Christ, this is the fruit that will happen when you're rooted in Christ. So he doesn't see like, oh, well, a Christian is just, yeah, you kind of do that, but like you're just not connected. 
a disciple of those that are like really connected. He's like, no, 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 like every single one of us should be growing, should be producing fruit on the inside. This is, the, this is just the, the fruit that will happen when you're rooted in Christ. Because a, a, a leafy life will give the appearance of godliness without the fruit of godliness. Jesus was confronting some Pharisees in Matthew 15. Verse 7, he says, You hypocrites. He loved calling Pharisees names. He says, You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Because, church, don't forget, it is always about the heart. Always. He wants your heart. He wants fruit, not leaves. He wants growth, not hiddenness. He isn't looking for good churchmen. He's looking for passionate followers of Christ. And so in this portion of scripture that we just read, Jesus looks around the temple and he sees the trappings of religion and yet he finds no life. He finds no fruit in it. He sees them attending church, but they're not really worshiping God. He sees them offering up prayers, but they're not really seeking his face. He sees them giving of their tithes, but it was more out of obligation than out of passion. These people that were acknowledging Jesus with their lips, but their hearts are far. And so the last point that I'll leave you with is this. It's, this, is, this is a clincher. This is the reason that Jesus cursed the fig tree. This is the reason that Jesus was flipping tables. Number three is this. A leafy life doesn't satisfy anyone's hunger. Jesus was hungry. He was hungry for fruit on the tree, and he found none. Jesus was hungry for fruit in the temple, and he found none. And he considered both of them as good as dead. And so Jesus curses a tree, and he flips over tables to communicate one thing. A leafy life is actually a slow death. Why? Because it never leaves a legacy. It never satisfies anyone's hunger. It's fruit that nourishes other people. Nobody goes and like, mm, this, that, these leaves look tasty. No. It's the fruit of the tree that nourishes other people. It's always the fruit that reproduces itself. You don't take a whole bunch of leaves, plant them in the ground, and, and hope you grow a fig tree. No, you take, you take the fruit and the seeds, and you plant, and they grow. Without fruit, everything begins and ends with you. Without the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you have nothing to offer a starving world, searching for something that will satisfy their hungry hearts. And we got to be careful 
because we start, we start looking at gifts of the Spirit and we think that they're the thing, man, but I, I got prophecy, pastor, I can speak in tongues and I got all these great things. Like, I'm not poo-pooing any of those things. I'm just telling you, my Bible says that's wonderful, but if you have not love, then you're a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Nobody those inside this church or outside of our walls is looking for religion. They're hungry for something real, fruit. Something that nourishes that gaping void on the inside of them. Fruit that lasts. Fruit that lasts. Because lifeless religion causes a diminishing desire to reach out to other people. Can I just tell you that launching a Hope Center in Biddeford is just an expression of our fruitfulness as a church. It, it's like, it just makes sense. It's like a, the progression of life because a relationship with God should always produce a love for others. Reaching out to those who don't know him, bearing good fruit that nourishes and reproduces. And lifeless religion keeps it all about me, keeping me alive. What, what is it that I want? Crossing my T's, dotting, dotting my I's. And it's why so many churches fall into the rut of judging the world rather than loving our neighbor. It's easy to watch the news and say, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. It's very different to realize that within you is the very hope, the light of the world. Why would I hide that under a basket? Amen? Mark chapter 11, verse 17. It says, and as he taught, he said, it is, not written, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but, but you've made it a den of robbers. Do you realize, he says, for all nations. In other words, the fruit is not just for you. It's to give away to others, to leave a legacy, to, to build the kingdom, to, to win the lost, to set the captives free. In, in Biddeford, in Maine, in the U.S., in the Dominican Republic, in Mexico, in Tajikistan, in India. Like, I'm just telling you, like, what God is doing on the inside of you is not just meant for you. It's meant for your family. It's meant for your coworkers. It's meant for people sitting next to you. It's meant for the world. Let me remind you, Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? So I started thinking about these, these tables uh, that were flipped by Jesus in the temple. And um, I realized that these, these people that were selling and buying and all of these things had become a regular fixture in the temple courts. 
Like what Jesus was flipping over was normal. Do you realize that? He wasn't going in and being like, what in the, this is new. What are we doing now? No, he, like they had just, this is what they did every week. This is kind of what was just normal. Those tables in there, these money changers, these people that were dealing, were, they were just always there. And how many of you know that sometimes your normal can still be dysfunctional, Right? Sometimes what you consider to be normal, you got all these, these tables in your house and you're just walking around them. It's just normal. That table's always been there. I always have to walk around this table. I, I, I always have this thing completely laid out. And yes, absolutely. I barely got room. We're kind of like a hoarder, right? We're just kind of walking around. We got like a little path through our house. Like, but but it's, it's not necessarily God's normal. And I think he knew that he needed to flip over some tables because it was the only way that they would be confronted with their dysfunction. I don't think it was just out of his own rage, his own hangriness. Um, It's only when you have to put your life back together that you start questioning what's really important to you. I'll say that one more time because someone in here needed to hear that. It is only when you have to put your life back together that you start to question what is really important to you. What tables in your life actually need to get flipped over? What things in your life are actually impediments to your growth? And it may be completely normal, and they've always been there. It may be a relationship that honestly just needs a good flip. <laughs> it may be a, a mindset that you're like, well, that's just, that's just, that's just how it is. I am, I am what I am, and this is how we always handle things. It may be a possession that you're holding on to, but if you're really honest, it actually has a hold on you and is actually holding you in bondage from living and giving freely. Or maybe you're, you, you keep having the same table flipped over. I, I don't know if you ever experienced this in your life. God just keeps flipping that table, flipping that table, and you find yourself, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you put that table back, and you walk away, and God's like, boom! And you're like, oh, oh, my God, oh, got to put all this stuff back together. He just keeps flipping this table on me. Oh, Lord, get thee behind me, Satan. And God's like, I'm actually trying to flip this over because I, I actually need you to remove it from your life. And you just keep setting it all back up, all nice. And Okay, great. Everything looks great. God keeps flipping it. You just keep going back all frantic trying to put it together. Because I think that many times God will upend things in our life to cause us to think, do I really need that? in my life. Are you, how many things are we walking around trying to accommodate for when God's saying, I actually just wish you'd remove it. <laughs> it's actually not needed. A whole lot of leaves. It's getting in the way of the fruit. I want to read this scripture over you in John chapter 15. I'll leave you with this. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Flips over tables. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Stay connected as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me.
That's the whole message. That's it. That fruit automatically happens when we stay connected to the root. So Lord, I pray that as we, as we end with this last song, Lord, I pray that you would, what is it that, that the Holy Spirit's speaking to us right now? There are tables that we're walking around accommodating for in our life that God is really wanting to just upend. Maybe you're in a place where you just feel like you got a table that was just flipped over and you're frantically trying to put it back the way that it was. And God actually is questioning you and saying, is this actually helpful to your growth in me? Or are you frantically trying to make your normal look normal again, even though I've got a new normal for you? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would begin to just work on the inside of us. That is the very fruit of the Spirit, staying connected to you, allowing you to do what we cannot do, to love people who don't deserve it, to have patience for people that are really annoying, to be kind to people that are unkind to us, to have self-control when I really feel like I got nothing. Lord, I pray that you would begin to work the fruit that we would bear, fruit that would remain, fruit that will nourish others, fruit that will reproduce fruit that is enticing and draws people in. Have your way in us, Lord. Make us, mold us, break us, prune us, <laughs> everything you need to do. Upend our, our, our tables so that we can see you and grow in you. In Jesus' name.